Hey guys, this is Aryan Beppour. This is Montage Through Cinema. I'm here with Charlie Vanderclip and then Avila Wad. All right, so should I go from where I was going before? Or yep. do you, you want to talk about that? Okay, I, I am a director who is making a movie within my college's proto studio system that they try to create through the faculty representing the studio. Um, some things, uh, what I was uh, trying to get across to my friends earlier was that um, there's, it's kind of interesting because you're like, okay, what are they gonna stop me from making? What are they gonna support me to make? And sometimes I notice that there's, where I thought there would be hurdles, there isn't hurdles. Where I thought there would be like complications, they're supportive. And then it makes me wonder like, oh shit, like I thought I'd be pushing back a lot to make a good film, but it's more like I can make a good film if I wanted to. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. You just, you, well, so. what, I, I don't think you, it's not that you cannot make a good film within a, a restrictive system. I think mm -hmm. restrictive systems are important. However, I think that, you know, you talking about making films, learning how to make films within a studio system, I don't think it's, I personally don't think it's worth it in the sense that the system you want to get into, as far as I'm concerned, nowadays, hmm. does not produce good films. Okay. And the system has changed a lot since the 20th century. Today, yeah. it's completely broken. And the only good American movies that come out in the studio system now are from the old great masters like Scorsese, James Gray, all those guys. But you'd, personally, I don't really see any great young American filmmakers that are making great films in the studio system. I mean masterpieces, right? Hmm. And what's really great is that you can make films that are accessible, right? You can make films that audiences will like. But what's great about the tw making a filmmaker in the 21st century is that you can actually now make that outside of any system. Like Lev Diaz said, the tools have been emancipated. So you can make your accessible film, you can try to have people watch it, you can try to have it be in theaters, you need to be in a system. You know, you don't need to have, I mean if you want to have Tom Cruise in it, then sure, but you don't really need that. So what about directors who have a distinct style, have a sense of individualism, and bring something, at least if not new, different to the table with filmmaking, and then they want to make a film about a subject that costs at least this much money that is very hard to find besides the studio system. So if I wanted to make the script yeah. that I'm making now, yeah. which will probably run my whole budget yeah. that I'm being given by the school, yeah. How, how could I make that, you know? And also, on top of that, I'm making it at a young age that is kind of, that's kind of cool. For sure. That they're giving me this kind of money that I can make something that's kind of like production design heavy where I couldn't make it. So what I'll say, I'll say two things. The first thing I'll say is that I think, you know, Pedro Costa, you know, in every podcast of yours, we have to say all the same names, Pedro Costa, Lev Diaz, but um, Pedro Costa said, I make the movies that I can make not the movies that I want to make. So he said, I think I actually did say this in your last podcast, uh, that if he could, with the movie, he would love to make like Land of the Pharaohs by Howard Hawks. That that's something he would love to make, but he can't. So in terms of money, I don't think, sorry, I don't think you need to, I think, yeah, maybe you can make a movie about a space, maybe you can make a movie with a spaceship, right? Maybe you can make a movie about your girlfriend, maybe you can make a movie about the beach that you know you live by. And maybe that's a movie that you can make, and there's something you know restrictive about that. But ultimately, I think the movies that you can make mm. 
maybe because you that's the life you live maybe it's because it's the money you have end up being the most honest and i think a lot of the times especially when film students or filmmakers lose themselves is when they are thinking too much about the concept like oh this is the script i want to make it's going to be a space it's going to be this no 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 make you kind of can only make the films about the stuff and you and you can explore you can explore things right you, if you want to make a movie about a community maybe you don't need to go build the whole the whole community maybe you take a small camera and you go into that community you know like pedro gosa he didn't rebuild the neighborhood make it a high production melodrama no he took a small camera went there and made a, and made a film about a community that wasn't his and that's fine and now you can do that so what i'm saying is that you can't think about money you can't think about oh i need this money to make this no no make whatever you can make and the restrictions they will end up making your film they will end up benefiting you you know you will end up finding things that are, you didn't necessarily find because of restricting yourself or uh, and this is i think Neville and i have very similar philosophies on this just coming in from the perspective of a documentary filmmaker i, I don't think money i don't think I think money is important, and that's and this is me personally. Is that I, I think uh, you know especially if you want to insert yourself into a situation and live a situation, um, that singularity of vision is what is what is going to produce the best, most honest film. And I so often see dishonesty in studio films because it's a large scale; it's many people. You know, to step in with a crew of three people, to step into a new world, it doesn't even have to be a nonfiction film. If you exist there honestly and authentically, and you love the people, and you're there to represent something unseen, then I think um, you've captured something. What would you say? I 100% agree. Wait, sorry, I just like to jump in real quick. I 100% agree with what Charlie said, and you know, there's this other great Pedro Costa line that that is, you know, he said that part of the reason why he wanted to work with digital and with very little people is that he thought that when you had a crew of 30, 40, 50 people that the energy, that the intensity was behind the camera. But when you tone it down and you have three or, three or four people, then the intensity, everyone can focus on the intensity being in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important, and, you know, and that's a restriction. Right? He doesn't have a lot of money to make big budget films, but he, he still makes beautiful films. And I think you know, I, you've seen some of Pedro Costa's films, it's beautifully shot, it's beautiful, like it's gorgeous, you know? and, it's, and it's very little money, and it's very little people. And it's those restrictions right, that, he, that's, that benefits the film. What would you say if you, you watch a movie, mm, okay, I, I don't think it's super great, but Interstellar. I think Interstellar mm -hmm. is great. I like Interstellar but a lot. Interstellar yeah. can be seen as like Christopher Nolan maybe talking about like not being able to spend time with his daughter yeah. when, because he's making films, whereas like sure. Matthew McConaughey's character is sure. going to space. Yes, yeah. the metaphor. Yeah. Like when, when it comes through like so much like that, like maybe, maybe even like we don't know, like He's Matthew McConaughey does exactly what like Christopher Nolan does when he drives. I don't know, he like twiddles his like <laughs> sure. face a little bit. Sure. But what I'm what I'm saying is like through that system, it's, that's Nolan though. Maybe I'm maybe I'm bringing up a bad example, but that that individuality, that like very personal story about that one person, the director, does come through, and mm -hmm. it's like it one does. of the what is it, like a hundred eighty dollar, hundred eighty million dollars sure. probably to make that. I movie. mean, I don't think you can make. I don't think you can make. I think you can make good films today within the studio mm. system, hundred uh, percent. Mm. I think Interstellar is a good movie. I do not think it compares to any of the digital filmmaker guys, girls, you know, that are making films today. I think, you know, if you compare Interstellar to Horse Money, it's a, there's no comparison in terms of honesty, in terms of how beautiful it is, in terms of how much it, how timeless it is. You know, how it's not well, okay, what would be a very honest studio film? 
Any, well, all, all the Scorsese films are beautiful. But it's not personal. Are you kidding me? They're very personal. It's hard to say with something with something so. I agree that Interstellar is innately human, and I think that many would argue that Interstellar is more accessible than Horse Money. Oh, oh it is. You know, um, because it is a spectacle, and it's you know it's massive, it's beautiful. Um, but you know, I also I like to think about the audience and what our needs might be, and I sometimes I worry that people are lost in the spectacle, and I think more now than ever people really want to see maybe not situations like interstellar but at least interactions be represented truthfully so i think interstellar if we're you know if we're using this example has a lot of very like truthful human inter interaction in it but i also think maybe it's dulled you know if like if you're really if that's what nolan's in it for is telling a story of being distanced from one's child mm -hmm. you know then maybe he's kind of dulling the purpose with all the spectacle mm -hmm. yeah and you think that he's kind of using the spectacle to be, to be a way to... So I actually, well, I, mean, I then, like then, Interstellar then, a lot is what I'm conflicted about. Me too, me too. It's a great film. It's weird, it's weird. Why wouldn't he make is, a movie just about, he could if he wanted he to. He could, do but what you're saying. he yeah. could, but he cannot, you cannot, like, Interstellar is a very good film, but there's a cap on what you can do there. And I think if you compare Interstellar to some of the smaller documentaries like the Charlie and I, or fiction films Charlie and I, or, or Disgusting. It's just no comparison. It's just no comparison. You know, and there are good examples within the studio system, but it's no comparison to some of these other films. And, and a lot of people would probably disagree with me in the bill. Just you know, in saying that, I, I watched a film the other day. Jonas Mikas made. It's called A Walk, and he's walking. It's in 1990 in uh, November, I believe, and he's walking down the street for an hour, no cuts. He's he's behind a camera, and you're watching the world pass before his eyes. He's acting as the camera. He's he's ambling down the street. It's shaky. Occasionally, he'll focus on a person passing by or a, a trash can lit on fire. He's almost hit by a car, you know. And it's almost like, you know, I saw Avengers Infinity War, and I felt nothing. Mm -hmm. I was so dulled by every scene amping up to a, a massive explosion that I felt nothing. But, but I, I walk with Jonas Mikas, who just passed away a few days ago, rest in peace. I walk with him for an hour. And he's, occasionally he speaks, he'll be silent for long stretches of, of time. And I think that, you know, maybe it's, you know, to the untrained eye, it might not feel that interesting, but I think it's, it is much more honest. And that's the film that he could make, right? He didn't, he didn't think, oh, I need to make all these compromises because I want to I I make this and this film. It's like, no, 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 no. What film can I make is me walking, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the film that he can make, and that's, the mo and that's personal, and, and, and it's beautiful. And again, I want to be clarify that I'm talking about Hollywood today. That I think the Hollywood films of the 20th, you know, from 1920 to 1960, to early 1960, were transcendent. A lot of the greatest films of all time were made like in classic Hollywood period, but that was all, that's, we can go into why in another podcast. Bringing it to college, do you, yeah. do you think that it's a good opportunity practicum? No. You don't think it's a good opportunity? No. I don't think so, because again, I think you're trying to exist in a system that's broken to make compromises that you do not need to make. Mm. And then I, and I think your time would be better spent actually developing as a filmmaker and focusing on taking classes or making films that you can make. Like the, the one that they, you made, uh, Rough My Heart. I think that I- Rough My Heart. Is that, was Touch it, My Heart. Touch My Heart, I don't know why I say Rough My Heart. I like that um, title Rough too. My Heart. <laughs> but uh, so cute. I think spending time developing yourself as a filmmaker yeah. is more important than learning to exist in a, in a, in a system that I think is more and more corrupt and broken. I, I see a lot of filmmaking as like practicing and then playing the game. 
you know, like a, 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 if I'm a baseball player. Yeah. So, like last semester, I thought of that, which was a, my time to, you know, I took a lot of like uh, cinema analysis. Yeah. I took uh, Bellator. Bellator. Mm -hmm. Fred Na Camper. Yeah. Critique, criticism classes and analysis classes. Um, took World Cinema too. All those things. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is me like practicing batting. Here's me practicing pitching. Yeah. And then the game is like big projects like this. Or maybe if, even if I was like, okay, I'm going to make a, maybe next year will be me practicing again and then I'll make something more independent. Mm -hmm. But for you guys, I don't know. When I'm off the bat, it can be anything. It can be, okay, I'm going to make a movie. I have a weekend. I have a good camera. I have a good actor. Or I have a weekend, and I have a bad actor and a bad camera. Or it can be I have this much of a budget, which is a good substantial budget, and I have this many people helping me. It doesn't have to be anything. Um, but then every time, it's like, okay, why would I bat the same thing twice? So I, I got to make Dardvark, which had an okay budget for that. And that was like completely free will. What if, well, I was younger then, but you know, what if the movie I make, you know, this semester with under practicum is better than the movie that I made, that I crowdfunded, that I had a good enough budget, you know, what if it's better? And then I'm saying I'm up to bat twice in a row, but one time is under restrictions under the system. Um, the other time was under restriction as in like money more. Um, but. I'm like batting a different game, and then say say it turns out that I'm better at bunting, which this may be the metaphor of practicum is bunting, hmm. rather than being a heavy swinger, um, with the aardvark, um, which was an independent one. So I bunt, and it just turns out like that's what gets me on base all the time. But I don't think that's the case. But as in gets me on base, as in I make a very successful film. You see it and you love it. But, so, but you value. I think one thing to say if, is yeah. Neville very much values like the personal touch a filmmaker has. No, no, no. So if you want to make money. Okay. Then go direct commercials. Easy. Fuck no. <laughs> then do you, you want to do you want to make money? Yes or no? With films. Yes. Then you should go work in commercials. That's great. Then I think you're gonna always gonna be. You know, I'm I'm not a Hollywood director. I don't know from experience, but this is from what I observe. I think if you don't want if you want to toe the line between making money and not making money nowadays, mm. the studio system has changed. It's not like in the fifties anymore, where you had like. Vincent Minnelli and Jacques Tourneur making like, you know, films like, there are no mid-budget films anymore. There's no films that total, there's in the studio system, there's no films that total line between, well, this is actually gonna, un unless you're Scorsese, again, those old guys, that total line between, oh, we're gonna be successful, we're gonna make money, and, oh yeah, but we're also gonna be like crazy art house films. Does it, it, it exists less and less, it's an extinct world. It's becoming extinct. Studios now are deciding to spend, you know, more money on three on three films and less money on fifty. It's just an extinct world. So in terms of, my question to you is, do you want to try? What about try with like Roma? Roma's so it's like, that's Quran again. That's yeah, it's Quran. It's, it's a it's an old school. It's a you know an old school guy. And I liked Roma a lot. I thought it was a good movie. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like I don't think that Roma is the regular studio film. And I don't think that he got to direct Roma by making. Well, actually, maybe he did some studio Gravity. films, but I don't think they're good. Um, I mean, yeah, Roma, I don't think is the norm in the film industry. And I, I, I think, and this is just coming from my perspective, but I think you can be an irregular studio filmmaker. If we look at Steven Soderbergh, yeah. who one day is directing Magic Mike, yeah. and another day is directing Bubble, which is a 60-minute yeah. film 
in a small town in Ohio with all non-actors yeah. shot on a shitty digital camera. You know, Soderbergh makes a living, hmm. and then he makes what he really wants to make. So yeah. I, I don't think that's an impossible dream. So you think they reverse it? You think they're up, I mean, they're practicing okay. when they're making the what big is, films? What is, Soderberg, what is Soderbergh making films now with? iPhone. iPhones. The Steven Soderbergh studio film, my claim is that it doesn't exist anymore. You have Magic Mike, you have some exceptions, but overall, Steven Soderbergh is like a 90s guy. Like nowadays, that's why he's making, movie, making movies with iPhones. You know, is I don't think that, I think that type of profile is rarer and rarer. That's my claim. That's not something that's, and that's why you have Black Panther nominated for an Oscar, because it's gonna happen more and more. Um, you know, and there's obviously ways like you can tell the, the line, but I just don't think that it's in your film school years, in your formative years, that you should be wasting time on your development and focusing on trying to exist in the system. That, as far as I'm concerned, is trading toward a direction that is strictly entertaining. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I kind of side with that, but I mean, that being said, you know, I also feel the need to make a living. and. Uh, especially in doc, you need to get funding and grant writing. Uh, grant writing is an incredibly important skill, and I spent a few classes here uh, in my time at Columbia learning that, which I think is very practical. And for me, grant writing makes a little more sense because you come forward with a pitch, a very personal pitch. Uh, you have to show, you have to prove that you're connected to this. Mm-hmm. You have to prove that you have what it takes, um, and you, you're not. Um, you almost have to like do all the legwork before you get the funding and then like, and then you move forward from there. It's, it, it's like, it's a different system, but I understand that money matters. Yeah. And I just think, you know, if you do compromise hmm. to make money on a film, I just don't think the film is gonna be, there's films that are good, and you can make good movies that try to toe the line, but overall, I just don't think that it works out long term. Like, I don't think, I, I, if you want to make like a masterpiece, like a, you know, like a real, like if you really have the ambition to make a beautiful film, mm-hmm. I don't think those films, the f- ones that have passed the test of time, the ones that we still watch nowadays after years and years and years, I don't think those are films where filmmakers went, oh, actually, let's try to toe the line here because we want to also, you know, make money. Mm-hmm. I think those filmmakers have had those projects but the films that are remembered, the films that, the great films of the history of cinema are not those. I think there's a lot that are. I think the best thing you can do is build a name for yourself in the studio system and then make a movie that you can, just, they, doesn't give, doesn't matter. Like, Quentin Tarantino built his name and then he's making bad movies now. I mean, he always made bad movies. Mm, well, Glorious Bastards. <laughs> Louis Vest is pretty good, but overall, he's never, he always did the same thing. Movies that people love. They're very violent. People swear. Yeah. Here, uh, here's my la- the thought that I kind of forgot. Um, and I forgot it again. Fuck me. <laughs> oh, the problem with Practicum, if, I, if there's going to be a problem with it, isn't that um, they want to make entertaining films. That was one of the things that uh, strikes me when you said it. They, I don't think they do. They don't have to. They want to make films, I think, first and foremost, that will win festivals, probably, maybe. But then I'd say, if that's their goal, technically their goal is also to make the best film, in their opinion. Doesn't mean entertaining. Might mean entertaining. Doesn't, well, doesn't. what I think that means is it means 
let's try to make a, like if you think let's try to make a film. So if you have any agenda mm. that's like, I want to make a film because I want to win this award, I want to make a film because I want to make money, then it shows. I deeply yeah. believe it shows yeah, because, and that's what I'm talking about. Entertaining is a word, but essentially, philosophically, it's the same thing. You're trying to compromise to have your film fit into an agenda that you want to fulfill. So it's the same thing. If you try to make a festival film, mm -hmm. people will understand that, and it's not going to turn out. And, that's, and guess what? That's why practical films don't work out. Mm -hmm. It's because they want to make festival films that, oh, it's going to work because this is what festivals want. Guess what? No, people can see right through that, and it's, it, it ends up not being honest. So the, the problem with that is they, they are thinking that, and there are scripts that are in practicum right now that are catering to that. They might end up good, they might end up bad. But the problem is what the faculty thinks is good is not diverse enough. It's not diverse enough. They make too many decisions, and they, they can take away too much on, and they need so much perspective. They need to understand what, why someone would want to make a Marvel movie or like something super like inspired by Marvel movies, and mm -hmm. they'd understand why someone would make a movie like inspired by Pedro Costa. They didn't understand why they would, you know, someone be inspired by Bellatar. They didn't understand all these things. They try to form movies into too much what they everyone thinks is good. Okay, character development. Like, it's not because they think like that's. I, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. It's not because they think it's going to win. It's they think actually a, a better film will always have character development. Not always true. There's a lot of examples that go against that. I'm sure you have a lot. Yes. But but they think that and they'll tell you things and then you're like, oh, like it was a it was a big point in my film not to have character development. Well because they're trying to make film fit into a formula. And guess what? It's not. And the other big one is they you can never have a character saying something you don't agree with. Unless you show them like an like a total idiot. What like do you mean? like you know how Bellatar always has like people like saying like completely ridiculous things yeah. that he doesn't have to agree with? Yeah. Like, you can't have someone, like, saying Wait, something. Wait, they tell you that? No, no, they don't tell you. They, it's clear in their notes and what they, they criticize. Oh, I see. So I'm like, I'll, I like, one thing I learned from my, my batting practice, as I said it, is that I kind of learned, like, oh, a, a cool thing that always implemented in script is, like, sometimes characters don't have to say things you agree with. Of course not. They're not speaking for you. Yet. They're not speaking for you, but a lot of people you see it as just speaking for you, and I'll, I'll show scripts to people sometimes, and they'll be like, like, why the fuck do you show a character? You have a racist in this? You're a racist. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. I but understand. that's the thing, though, is you can, is there is, you know, the assumption that you showing something, showing something doesn't mean you're celebrating mm -hmm. it. You can show something to criticize it. Yeah. And that's what Bellatar does, right? People he don't understand like, that either. What's I, up? Yeah. Sometimes people don't understand And I, th I think that's, yeah, I think there's probably a danger. And what it sounds like to me, because I don't know practicum that well, but what it sounds like to me is there's a danger in these unilateral decisions or formulas that are, like, being exacted onto four individual directors, you know, five individual directors. That's pretty, that's pretty, like, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, and I, and I can see where you might see danger in that. Uh, that being said, Ariane, I really, I, uh, I mean, we, Nabil and I both love you as a filmmaker and, and that you're exploring both sides of, you know, this path of yeah. education, because like, I, I think that's, personally, I think that's a, a respectable thing to be trying practicum or maybe even actually trying to fight practicum as our friend did. Yeah. But what we've seen, in our experience is, you know, our, a good friend of ours, we never, we didn't see him the last semester of school mm -hmm. that we spent with him. We didn't get to grow with him maybe ways that we wanted to. And he made a film he hated. Yeah. And at first yeah. he was telling us exactly what you were saying. I'm gonna beat the system, I wanna make it like is this. Is that what I'm saying? 
Kind of, yeah. Let's let's be clear. There's something another director that we know is saying, oh, and there's okay. something sure. that I'm saying. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But right. I'm telling you, it just happens to be so far that I've been very much liking my experience, oh, and, that's and have been getting weirdly too much support to me thinking, to now me having to reflect on myself and be like, shit, it's up to me if I make this movie good or not. <laughs> it's not up to the the faculty to make it bad. And then yeah. I'm like, and then I'm kind of like, shit, I have to like, I can yeah. tell my writers anything right now. Yeah. And I don't know what to tell them. Because I, I thought I'd be arguing for my thoughts, but now mm. it's more like I can do whatever I that's want. That's great. Well, that's great. And I, I wonder exactly what happened to um, your your friend. Because he I, I heard, I heard some things. But. He wanted to make a project. Mm. Faculty said no. Everyone, everyone said no. He fought. He ended up having to make a film he didn't want to make without much freedom to make any decisions. Mm. And that's the problem with practicum is that... And I think this is the problem with a lot of the studio filmmaking. Again, this was different in the mid-20th century, but again, a conversation for another podcast, um, is that you have too many people making decisions. You have a committee of professors deciding on creative decisions, and then you have independent departments that have freedom. It's like we were talking about earlier in Panda Express. How can you achieve complexity with this many different agendas? How can you achieve beauty if you have 10 different people saying 10 different things? Mm -hmm. You can't. So I, I, I think of it as like a Game of Thrones kind of situation where it's like, what do you want to give up? What do you want to take? And as I told you, like from my producer's uh, advice, like sometimes give the faculty what they want and then you can take back what you want later. You know, lose this battle, win it tomorrow. And I'll tell you, one of the things I really wanted to learn was how to compromise and how to not compromise when you want to and be able to communicate your ideas and collaborate well and blah, 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 blah. But what I mean is when I really wanted to learn, in basic terms, I wanted to learn when to give up things so I could get what I want. And, and from doing stuff and losing things that I wanted to keep in my script, I've realized that, man, if I could go back in time or if I was put in this position again, I actually could argue for like exactly what I want now. There's things, there's, there's times where I noticed I could have really gotten what I wanted. I, I did have to make some compromises I didn't want to make. I'm not like super upset about any of them. But I, I can even think back to ways where I could have really manipulated the system, manipulated people in a way too, as in the faculty, not like my peers. But um, to get what I want, to, to have explained it in a way that I think would have been more simple, to have written the scripts in a way that they would have accepted it and then I could have revised it in a certain way that I would like And that's like and that's the thing that I'm saying about making films within the system is that you live in a time where you don't need to make any compromise where the only compromise you need to make is the compromise of being Aryan before that's the only compromise you need to make you don't need to make you, you I don't think you should compromise anything I think you should be free you know so be free be go make the movie you want to make take a small camera masterpieces that we love have been made with iPhones you know you you don't need to make any compromise and this is why I don't like the idea of the system and why I think, again, the practicum system doesn't work is that you have to compromise too much. You don't, you, making, an ar- expressing yourself or ex- exploring something artistically should not involve trading and, and uh, doing and giving and receiving. It's, it, how can you end up, you know, ex- actually exploring something if you're constantly having to deal and trade? But what about when seeing it in a different light, Take, take what you're saying right now, which, which is something I'm dealing with, compromising and having to let go of things, but just to working with actors and to working with production designers, cinematographers, who will say, like, I've worked with people on their independent films where they completely funded it and have a lot of, like, you know, a, a tour ability where they, yeah. they can make whatever they want. 
and like their cinematographer would be like, no, don't want to do this, and then they're like, okay, maybe. and then yeah, later on, they'll, later on they'll be like, they're right. And I'm yeah. saying that's being collaborative, that's being sure. understanding, communicating well. Yeah. Um, so really, how how different is that? To I I think that it's one more layer. Uh, if you want to see it as like that simple, it's one more layer. You have a production designer, you have a cinematographer. Those are two layers. You have a if the production design's very usually they're not so much like independent. Usually cinematographers are more independent if you're going to be collaborating with someone. But then you have the the um, studio system, the executives, I guess, who are the other layer, and it's just another person to collaborate with. And sometimes you can even look at it as like, okay, if I was making an independent movie, and if I had the budget I have with Practicum, somehow I got it, I would still be like, I need like five people who just constantly will be. So that's my the thing, producer. though, is you can, you can, you should, and you can ask for feedback yeah. and for, and for advice and for honest criticism. I think you can and you should, but the difference is that, in those, but the, I think the way that the way in in which those systems thrive is that if there's a hierarchy. Mm. So if you are the director and you have the complete control, then you can welcome and work with people that you know will criticize you and be honest with you, but in the end, you are still the filter of all that. Mm. In the practicum system, and you know, in the system, o in studio systems overall, it's not you taking input, it's people telling you what you can and cannot do. And that's why, I, when I think that the compromise ends up work, hurting the film is that it's not people being honest with you and you understanding and changing it's people telling you no, you have to do this because we want our film to do well at a festival because we want our film to make money because we want, you know so so that it corrupts it it's not honest feedback it's corrupting the film because of agendas i think that what you're saying um with the right management of talking to people I, again, like I was saying, I, there's times where someone was like, you need to take this out because it's not going to do good at festivals. And I'll be like, I'll tell you exactly why it's going to do good at festivals. But my agenda is something different. No, you just my tell them, I don't care about festivals. That's the right answer. If you want to get into a festival, <laughs> the right answer is I don't care about festivals. That's, I, I swear to God, if you want to get into a festival, you cannot think, are they going to like this? The, the moment, the, the second you think this, I swear to God, I swear to God, the second you think this, it will it will I gotta show. I got to get that out of my head, It man. will show. Uh, yes, there. you do. Yes, you do. You have to get out of your head. It will show. No, that's good advice. Yeah. I have been thinking about that a tiny bit. I have been. Yeah. So I should think about well, it. I, I also, I mean, if we're talking about corrupt systems, I'm not going to say that the festival system is should be the ultimate judge for your filmmaking 100%. either. I think, yeah, I think Oscar bait is very real. For sure. I think... Um, you know, I think films are getting into Sundance through the back door. I think, you yeah. know, yeah. you know, I think that if you want to make a film that will get into festivals, it very well may. Hmm. If you if you play it smart enough, because because like there there is a system that you have to play to get it into the festivals as well. It's I if, if we're talking about the like the worth of a, uh, you know, uh, the life force of a film, then then that's something that certainly transcends the festival. But I I, w I would say that. Yeah, like bait is uh, a real thing. One so it, it, it is, but it also isn't in the sense that if you're just a filmmaker making a film, so let's, we know. We know. There's, there's different systems, but what I'm trying to say is that there is something that you'll, he'll, you, you'll hear programmers say, was, oh, this is such a festival film, right? Is that you, you, you have to so understand that if yeah, you... Yeah, Nabil has some background. I mean, not, we don't have to talk about my background. I'm just saying that you can look at this in interviews, you'll hear a film programmer say, this is such a festival film. 
You know what I mean? And what that means is that the, 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 the bait that you're putting on yourself, guess what? Everybody else is doing too because bait is bait. So then they will understand, oh, and you know, there's a million other baits that, you know, some baits work because of other factors, right? Money, um, connections, stuff like that, right? That's totally fair. But re regardless of that, if you just think about, okay, what movie I'm going to make and uh, how good is it going to be, then if you start putting yourself those, if you start including that bait, probably people in festivals, people in awards will understand that because guess what? Everyone else is doing the same thing. You can so uh, you can use stuff like this to weirdly wiggle your way into getting what you want. Sometimes though, so Oscar bait. Even if I'm not not ask Oscar bait, festival bait. <laughs> even even if I'm not trying to make get into a festival, I'm trying to make a good movie that has my uh, personality in, yes mixed with it. Is what I'm trying to do the most. Yes, but. Um, Sometimes I'll, I'll find out things. I'm like, man, I can argue it like this. Like um, the movie my, my peer is doing, he has a child actor. But then he can argue, well, one, this, the script's good, but um, if, he, if they were like, how about we make it older? Dude, Oscar, like our festivals go so hard for kid, movies with kids. <laughs> like you can say <laughs> that. You can say that. One thing that, yeah, uh, you I, can I'm say gonna, that I'm gonna, I might shoot my film in Super 35. Um, you are? I, I think I am. That's great. Yeah, I'm happy about that. <laughs> but the the cool thing is, one, I have the best cinematographer uh, probably currently, cool. uh, Tommy Garrett. Okay. Good. Yeah, which is one of the reasons I, I can also argue yeah. for shooting on film is I have a great cinematographer. But the other reason is, um, I didn't know this, there's festivals that program only film, movies made on film. It opens up doors. I don't give a fuck about that. But the thing is, when I come to the faculty, I'm like, hey, I want to shoot in Super 35. I'll, I'll give my reasonings. On top of that, I can be like, by the way, festivals only have uh, subgenres for movies shot on film. I, and we can get into those twice as much. So listen, I get that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that if you start thinking like that, it's a door that never closes. And it's not just, you know, those decisions, those decisions, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I just got distracted because people are walking around us. What you're, what you're saying makes sense, and what I'm saying is that if you open those doors mm -hmm. to be, oh, actually, festivals might like it if I shoot on 35. Festivals might like if my movie's under 10 minutes. Festival might like if my movie has a child. Festival might like this. Then it is over. Your film, because I, d I deeply believe, all right, that when you make a film, your mindset, your intention, your feeling, it, it ends up always shining through. I don't know, it's something mystic, something cosmic. It ends up shining through. Mm. If it's something that really means a lot to you, I think it will shine through. Regardless of how good it is, it will shine through that it means a lot to you. If you have an agenda in terms of getting into a festival, it will shine through. If you have an event, uh, so, because again, those small decisions end, end, end up adding up. It's not just the 35. You end up making all these decisions that end up shaping it in a way that ends up being clear that you are making decisions, that those decisions aren't honest to the story. I, it's. This is a difficult discussion, and I'm, yeah, learning, yeah. I'm learning a lot from it. I don't, there is no film without sacrifice. I believe that a film belongs to everyone involved with it. So that's, I mean, so that's, that's my biggest argument against a large footprint, you know, studio system is that, is that yeah, like, uh, it, it gets messier and more complex, potentially. But also, you know, if, if it's me and my subject, and I make a documentary, and there's no one else, it doesn't just belong to me. I may make the final cut, 
but I, you know, this relationship is something tangible. And I'm sacrificing something when I hit record and when I stop recording. You know, I'm like, I'm actively listening to this person and existing in their space and respecting their boundaries. So, like, yeah, if you even, if you reduce it to like a, a camera, a camera person and a subject, like, you are making, actively making sacrifices. You are respecting this person's boundaries, um, or maybe you're not. Uh, and, and then, you know, that might tarnish the, the relationship. But I, I think then, then the film, you know, it, it comes to a question of purity. Like, like if, you, if you spend time with a member of the clan and he doesn't want any of this footage to get out, but you release it anyway, you know, like what, is, what, is this, what does this film do? Does this, does this film destroy um, something that you've cultivated, a relationship, or does it, or once you're both dead, does it like stand a test of time? Does it represent something honest and authentic? And, and you know, ha have you trespassed um, an ethical boundary? Yeah. If, if you told him you weren't going to release it and you did, um, and then, but then you have to ask yourself, you know, what the worth of that work is. So I, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I, I just think it's important that we always think about the ethical complications of films and that sacrifice is inevitable. So I agree, and I think those sacrifices are beautiful, and that's why I argued earlier. Have the sacrifice be human relationship, be, or, be your intelligence, be your funds. Have the sacrifice be something natural to you, to the way you think, to the way you exist, to your condition. Have those be the sacrifices, not some executive's agenda. You know what I mean? That's, that's the corruption. Okay. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... I don't have any final thoughts. I think we all said our opinions. And uh, that was this episode of Montage Through Cinema. <laughs>